The Hamlet Podcast, episode 172. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrissey. We ended last time with the departure of Osric, floating away in his cloud of unnecessary courtesies. He has barely left the stage by the time Hamlet has a comment. He does well to commend it to himself. There are no tongues else for his turn. The Arden edition explains this as a proverbial response. Osric has to praise himself because nobody else will. He might even still be visible as Horatio speaks now with another wisecrack. This lapwing runs away with the shell on his head. Primarily, this is a joke about Osric's hat. We have spent the scene seeing him worried about whether or not to wear it on his head. Now, Horatio is likening him to a bird scuttling away, and not just any bird, but a lapwing. There's a whole history of references to birds and wildlife and nature that Shakespeare draws upon freely and inventively, and for most of us, it's all but lost. The lapwing was reputed to take its first steps into the world with a bit of its shell stuck to its head, and this is the reason for Horatio's reference. Some species of lapwings actually have a distinctive plume on their heads. So, if Horatio is a bird watcher, he's making quite a detailed joke, since Osric gets the fashion so wrong that he looks like a naive and infantile chick rather than a proud adult with the correct headgear. Lapwings are often associated with deception and treachery. The birds employ a number of tricks to protect their nests, and their plumage can appear different colours from different directions, depending on which way the birds are flapping or not. Some females fly quite low to the ground, completely silent, and can therefore act like spies. And the collective noun is actually a deceit of lapwings. So again, it's not accidental that Horatio picks this bird of all birds for his joke because none of us really think that Osric is particularly trustworthy. Now, I wonder if many of Shakespeare's London audiences knew this much lapwing lore, but the man himself certainly did, and the plays are all the richer for these kinds of details. From this little line, we can understand that Horatio thinks Osric is naive and untrustworthy. Hamlet returns to the mockery of his youth and sticks to the theme of his excessive courtesies. He jokes. He did comply with his dog before he sucked it. Hamlet is joking that Osric probably complimented the nipple of his mother or his nursemaid before he fed from it. Hamlet now continues with a rather complicated image. Thus has he, and many more of the same bevy, that I know the drossy age dotes on, only got the tune of the time and outward habit of encounter, a kind of yeasty collection which carries them through and through the most fond and winnowed opinions, and do but blow them to their trial, the bubbles are out. This is one of the more damning indictments in the play. Osric, he's saying, is like many more of the bevy of young men that are doing well these days in this drossy or superficial age. These posers get by by picking up the tune of the time and outward habit of encounter. They've picked up what they think is the right lingo for court and the right way to interact in their encounters with people. 
Shakespeare gives Hamlet a brilliant phrase here as he calls all of this a kind of yeasty collection. Now, yeast is a vital ingredient in bread and beer, but for both it needs to prove itself. These youngsters, like Osric, have not done so, and so their manners and their encounters are like raw yeast. If you've ever tried to make sourdough or your own beer, you'll know that as yeast goes through its process of proving, it foams and bubbles and it really doesn't smell very good. Like Jaquees on reputation in As You Like It, Hamlet now likens Osric's efforts to a yeasty, unproved and rather smelly bubble. It might carry him and his fellows through and through the most fond and winnowed opinions. It might get them noticed and connected, and their foppish fancies and manners might get them so far. But truly, if you blow on them, or put them to their trial, the bubbles are out. The bubbles burst. Just as Hamlet did throughout Osric's little scene. Put any kind of pressure on these wannabes, and they crack. As we all enjoy a rueful laugh at Osric's expense, and that of all posers who rely on snazzy efforts instead of doing the work, a lord enters. The vast majority of editors consider this one of the simplest cuts one can make to the text, but of course that is not our style here at the Hamlet podcast. Osric has evidently given the message, but perhaps refuses to return, so this lord has shown up and speaks instead. My lord... His Majesty commended him to you by young Osric, who brings back to him that you attend him in the hall. He sends to know if your pleasure hold to play with Laertes, or that you will take longer time. This certainly feels like an unnecessary speech in such a long play. The first half is rather awkward too. He's telling Hamlet that Claudius, who has now heard back from Osric with, we can assume, another volley of courtesies, that Hamlet is spending his time in the hall and will happily spar with Laertes. Well, Claudius would now like to know if this is a good time for Hamlet to have the duel, or if perhaps he'd like to spend longer in the hall doing whatever he's doing. This riveting speech does not constitute a role that any actor should dream of playing, not without getting a few juicy other parts to play earlier in the show. Hamlet seems to answer with an equally pointless response, but perhaps there's a little frustration in his manner of doing so. I am constant to my purposes. They follow the king's pleasure. If his fitness speaks, mine is ready, now or whensoever, provided I be so able as now. I remain unchanged in my intents, which are only to serve the king, he says, with a level of politeness that seems to echo Osric himself, with maybe some bonus sarcasm thrown in. If the king's convenience would have it that now is the time, Hamlet is ready now, or whenever the king likes, provided, he says, that he remains as able as he is right now. And you can see why the majority of productions cut this moment. The Lord replies that... The king and queen and all are coming down. So they're actually on their way already. As Hamlet puts it, in happy time. Let's get on with it, he's saying. Now the Lord delivers another message, from Gertrude rather than from Claudius. The queen desires you to use some gentle entertainment to Laertes before you fall to play. Gertrude is expressly asking that Hamlet be polite to Laertes before the fight. Given the violent and unseemly turn their last encounter took, with the two of them brawling in an open grave, she's probably wise to be sending this message. 
Like the rest of us, Gertrude has presumably spent the last while hearing how excellent a swordsman Laertes is. It's probably the most maternal thing that she does in the play, to tell Hamlet to offer Laertes gentle entertainment before he has a sword fight with this expert. Hamlet acknowledges that this is probably not a bad idea and says, she well instructs me. Here, the stage directions have the Lord exit and Hamlet and Horatio are left alone. Obviously, the entire court is about to descend to watch this match, but the two friends have a quiet moment before this happens. And we will come to it in the next episode. For now, do be sure to visit the website, thehamletpodcast.com, for show notes and a photo of a lapwing and its plume. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, and particular thanks to those of you who've been so generous in supporting me with a coffee here and there. It's very kind of you, and I really appreciate it. It seems unbelievable to be saying this, but there are only ten more episodes of the Hamlet podcast still to come. I do have a few more surprises and bonus episodes planned between now and then, but I do hope you're with me for the home stretch. These odd little scenes with Osric and the Lord are a bit like the slow chug of a roller coaster as it climbs higher and higher before we crest the hill and descend to the story's conclusion. It's all still ahead of us, so buckle your seatbelts and I'll speak to you next time.